there's 14% of our country are black people, only 2% are black businesses. Mm-hmm. So if you just in, could increase not just the number of businesses, but those businesses can hire people. So one in five black people in the country are hired by black businesses. So you get also black business owners are 12 times wealthier than their non-business owner peers. So if you are a foundation and you care about closing the racial wealth gap, if you are a Republican and you care about the economy, if you are um, a, a liberal and you care about people having quality employment, Black business gets you all of it. This is Byron Sanders, president and CEO of Big Thought. And this is Damani Daniel, chief imaginator at The Event Nerd. Welcome to Casually Creative, conversations about everyday creativity and nerdiness. Welcome to Casually Creative, everybody. We are back in the building. This is your guy, your boy. It's your man, Byron Sanders, President and CEO of Big Thought. And you're you you have this other guy chilling What's around, going? hanging around outside, um, asking, begging for coins. But I let him come in here, and I was like, you know what? We might as well do a podcast together. What's your name, young man? What's good, Cashmere? You forgot to we forgot to actually welcome. The, the folks by their name you know what i'm saying you know, i didn't forget anything if you would just actually speak and do Absolutely. as you're told I'm not, well, I, I, I i'm not i can't be bossed around i'm an independent I, i'm a strong yeah. independent black man okay okay uh, yeah keep going no this is damani daniel jay damani daniel chief imaginator at the event nerd really excited really excited really excited welcome um welcome back cashmere's um we are so Ty, excited yes, to have i know about that no, no, don't worry. We're going to explain that. We're, we're so excited to have all of y'all back today. We uh, we finally landed on a name for the people who listen to this podcast consistently. Sure. Sure. Uh, as you know, this is called Casually Creative. And mm-hmm. so what y'all are, you didn't even know it. You didn't even you know it. Down. This was in your heart. Yeah. You, but, but you do but you do now, damn it. Welcome, Cashmere's. Welcome. Back to- you, know, it, you know why? Because you're, you're soft, you know what I'm saying? But you keep people warm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to make this analogy work. I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, that doesn't yeah, work. I'm sorry. That's weird. You calling them you know, soft and warm and like insulated? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's you're cashmere. Like a compliment. Cashmere is luxury. Cashmere is luxury. And your way of thinking is that you, I, nope, nope. Nah, man, nope. cashmere is hood luxury. It's not, it's not even that, like that fancy. It's, it's real, it's upper middle, I think, something like that. Welcome back, Cashmere's. Um, we have a special guest for you all today. This sure. one right here, y'all don't know. We have gone over, over. We, we've climbed mountains. We've we've crossed rivers. I'm we have braved all of the technologies. All of them, literally, like we we got all yeah. of them. Uh, we we have we have gone to extraordinary lengths to make sure that you all get this conversation here tonight. We have on the show a woman who, if you don't know, you about to know, is one of the most brilliant human beings 
I've ever met in my life. She's one of the. I believe. Most, I believe you told me she was the smart one of the top, like top five smartest people you know. If I got, I got five fingers. One of them's taken, y'all, because that's Tynesha Boyer Robinson. She's one of the top five smartest people I, I know in real life. I've read about some smart people. Some of them I don't know in person, but I know a lot of people. And this one right here, top five smartest. She's she's been at NASA. She has run nonprofits. She's made and, and directed millions of dollars of investment, not just, you know, making given decisions, but actually in strategy on how to build. She's a world builder. She's a she builds worlds beyond SimCity, beyond uh, Minecraft. She builds planets. So with that introduction, without any further ado, welcome Tanisha Boyer Robinson. They'll they'll learn what you actually do in just a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that we came with that with that introduction that I think is only appropriate. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel like some of it made me sound high maintenance because of all the technology challenges. And then I got distracted and started thinking of all sorts of different sci-fi things. Like if I build worlds, am I the destroyer of worlds? Am I like a Kara Thrace, like Battlestar Galactica? Am I like the red thing that destroyed Lol? I mean, like, I just don't. Yeah. So then I got distracted. But yes, thank you. Happy to be here. Can we go down a BSG rabbit hole? Before, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. BSG, what? You don't want yes. that. We, we, no, are, we, are we doing this? We doing? <laughs> I have a sweatshirt in my house that says, so say we all on the back. You don't so we all. want none. So here's the thing about BSG. And if you, if you want to talk about, the, talk about the creative world building, the beautiful thing about Battlestar Galactica, the, the, the most recent adaptation of it, yes. is that they thought through... All sorts of subtle details. My favorite detail from Battlestar Galactica, and then we'll have to talk about who you are and what you do, is the paper. Mm-hmm. The fact that no. Okay. Did you ever listen to the? There's oh, so we used to listen to like the post Battlestar Galactica, like oh what happened in the future, and the um, folks who created it said we thought it was a good idea, and then we had to cut paper. The rest of the. You notice in the last season, though, uh, there's not, they don't, not all the paper is cut. Yeah, I, I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. Hey, they were, they were tired. All right. But we lost Byron, though, I think. No, no, because no, I, I, I don't, I have not. Um, this is where oh, my did. nerd credential does come up short. I, I haven't gotten into Battlestar Galactica. Have you uh, watched an episode? I've seen parts. Episodes? I've seen parts. Okay. All right. All right. All right. This is what I just haven't. everybody. My husband and I were like fiends. So all you have to do, I think there's like the opening one, which is like the hour. And then I think the next one, the next episode is called 33. If you finish 33, yeah, you you hear my street cred over there? If you you finish 33 and you don't want no more, that's it. Like just just stop. But I haven't heard anybody who gets to 33 and is not like, Yeah. <laughs> and I think you'd love it too. You would you would love it because I mean, you know, I grew up on sci-fi. So my dad okay. was in the military and he always loved sci-fi. And I um look at sci-fi as a way for people to actually interrogate like what's happening on our planet by making it 
so far-fetched that you, when you're wrestling with things like, what do you do in this case of democracy? What do you do when, oh, there's a certain number of prisoners and you don't have rations? What do you do? How do you treat a different race yeah. of people who are aliens? Like, like an actual different race. When you do that, when you push it so far off into right. this, into this other, yeah. it makes it easier to dissect some of the things, like you're saying, dissect some of the things. So I look at one of my favorite uh, sci-fi shows is uh, Star Trek Next Generation. And yeah. if you take a step back and look at Star Trek TNG and look at the things that they covered in the early 90s, there yeah. are episodes about gender identity. There are episodes yeah. about racism. There are episodes about, like there's so many episodes about so many different things that right. weren't they were issues in the early nineties, but they weren't publicly talked about. Whereas right. now these are things that people are fighting for uh, that weren't being fought for in the early nineties. What is it? We had a, a Mercedes um, Mercedes came on the show. A Mercedes Fulbright came on the show and she, she quotes Olivia. I always get them mixed up, but she quotes uh, uh, an, uh, a, a woman who says that justice work is like science fiction. Octavia Butler. Yes, thank you. Thank there you, you go. I was about to say that's that. I mean, you you should. I was waiting to see where you were going with that. I was like, come on, Damani. Yeah. I messed yeah. up. Okay, it's it's. it's I'm, no, I'm allowed it's to have moments. It's true because I according to I totally agree because Octavia Butler's quote with that is justice work is like science fiction because it's about saying and declaring a world that does not exist. That's right. Right. Yeah. So like that. I love that whole genre for that reason. And I think it actually gives people the space to confront what's happening with them, not just like day to day, but also internally. Yeah. Cause yeah. that really is the the driver of what, what changes things. And so yeah. when you think about, as you ask what I do, my company Cappy Q stands for capitalism and emotional intelligence and capitalism and equity. And really what our mission is, our vision is, is to change how the world does business. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, you know, that's that's not a big goal at all. Like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> but um, I think people really tend to get overwhelmed when they think about like systems, like economic systems, whether it be capitalism or political systems. But every system was actually created by and for people. And so if mm. you're going to change a system, you have to start with the people. Because there's a, um, a whole, there's a woman named Donnella Meadows, and she talks about the highest order of systems change is actually changing hearts and minds. Mm. The gateway drug to systems change that everybody likes to start with is like, oh, well, what's your policy? What's your practice? What's your mm -hmm. processes? The reason why hearts and minds are the highest order is because if the people's minds are right, what they build will be too. That's right. Mm. That's right. So, and and can, can I can I offer up that? It's not that we don't know how. Yep. Right. It, the the hearts and minds speaks to the will to do what mm -hmm. needs to be done. Yeah. Some of this yeah. stuff is not rocket science. Yes. It, it's the hearts and minds. Absolutely. Which is actually arguably more challenging than rocket science. How much of the hearts and minds is like tied to people not understanding why a change? I'm putting not understanding, I'm putting understanding in quotes, but not understanding why or why the change is needed or how to do it, right? You're trying to change these hearts and minds, you're trying to create these these new systems, but the people have been entrenched in the existing systems for so long. So as you're trying to change the way the world does business, how much of that is deconstructing the existing way that the world does business? And what does that look like? You know, I, there's a spectrum of folks who 
who look at social change in a different way. And I think, especially in this moment now where, you know, the racial reckoning is forefront and folks are like, oh my God, are, there's rights in I declare. They, they got jobs? Like, what's wrong? They still mad? So a lot of people in this moment want to be kind of the tip of the spear, like, like pushing hard against what, what's happening in front of the system. A lot of times the unsexy work, but the work that's stickier is the group of folks that are shepherding folks on that journey as their hearts and minds change. And, you know, I used to do youth work. I used to, um, I was the founding executive director of this organization called Year Up, and we trained um, low-income young people in technology and placed them in jobs. And I used to, my staff used to get so mad because we worked with Fortune 500 companies, and my job was to get the chief information officer, who's basically in charge of IT, to hire the poor Black person or the poor Brown person from the low-income neighborhood, right? And they would get so mad. It's oh, my God. Like, your company is racist. I was like, yeah, most places where people hire are. <laughs> and they were like, we need to fix them. We need to fix them. And it's like, watch what we do, though. Watch what we do. So, like, the first time they interacted with a young person, there was skepticism. It was like, mm, my boss told me how to do this. They were just doing this because their friend went to the same business school and okay. Right? Like, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. The next couple of students that came through, the next couple of young adults that came through, they were proud. Look at, you see my, you see my young Johnny. You see Jamil. Look at him doing well. And they were like puffing around and talking about their folks. Uh -huh. Around about the tenth or twentieth, that's when they were ready for justice. They were like, mm. "Wait, now I done seen like I saw Jamil, yeah. I saw Akila, I saw Juan, and then they start to see themselves in the young people. They start to see their mm. children, like the people. It's cool. And then they're like, "Wait a minute." why haven't I seen more young people like this? Yeah. Like yeah. that, and the thing that was so powerful about that work is you can feel like that stage of changing hearts and minds, you can almost feel it. You can feel when it clicks, the questions are different. Like the people they bring around the table are different. And in fact, um, at that time we worked on, and I was really proud to work on the reauthorization of the Workforce Investment Act, which is now the work Workforce Investment and Opportunity Act. And part of why we had a chance to change that. Which... <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we got to call it out. We need to have like a, you know what we need? We need a button that we can get whenever someone. Yeah. People, and because we, we support the flex. Let's be, yeah. let's be clear. Tonight. <clears throat> we support the flex. We just want to be able to hit the button to be like, like a, like a DJ's air horn. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Keenan Ivory Wayne's yelling message, right? Like this is yeah. important. Yeah. Flex. Yo, but, but it was but powerful. Because, it was powerful because the the legislators that we were bringing around the Capitol at that time were used to lobbyists. When we came into a room, we had a young person who was from at this time I was in D.C. So Anacostia, one of the poorest neighborhoods in D.C., sitting side by side with the chief information officer of one of the largest companies in that region, and they sat together and talked to the legislator and said. The young person said, this is amazing for me. The CIO said, this person is talented. Done. Legislation changed. They're like, we don't see this very often. Mm, and that's yeah. when it's like changing hearts in mind. That showed me at a really early age because when I was running that organization, when I first started it, I was like in my late 20s. Shh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. I was running around like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, but like in that span, that one change in legislation 
you know, the change the age range for youth. So it used to be 18 to 21, now it's 18 to 24. So think about the number of young people now who have access to, you know, dollars and programs that they wouldn't have without that. And then it added things like accountability and outcomes, connection with market-driven um, services for community, uh, community colleges, time for innovation for things like pay for success and, and impact investing. So that showed me that it, you can change hearts and minds. And it, even if your, your sphere is smaller than you think, it can have nationwide impacts quickly. And so that, that is why I'm like, yeah, we can change how the world does business. So so let me let me keep stitching this together because you're dropping some some really good nuggets over here. We're going to go pick up these nuggets and we're going to squish them together to make a bigger nugget. So like, are we talking Chick-fil-A? Um, no, nah, yeah, like, no, we're we talking about like uh, chicken product yeah, from like, uh, <clears throat> yo, so you mentioned Europe. And mm-hmm. you, you 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 actually didn't even flex hard enough. So she's actually the founding executive director of the national capital region. So the first expansion of Europe outside of their um, um, city of origin, correct? Yes, that is true. That's what I said. She was recognized by President Obama in that space. Oh, this little, this little kid, this little, this little youngster. Stepping little 20 something. Little 20 something raising 20 mil. That's what she did. And then, oh, by the way, my husband still teases me because President Obama said, and he he was came to visit our young people, and he was like, and I'd like to thank Tanisha, Tanisha Boyer Robinson. <laughs> and my husband was like, husband's like, Barack called you Tanisha, I'm gonna call you Tanisha. That's right. <laughs> Barack and I just took a picture like, I just cheated like, yo, that's what I. That's, that's me. That's me. Yep. yep. That's me. I was just renamed right here. It's almost like, yeah. It's I mean, it's like, basically a presidential decree. It's the president. Yeah. He decreed. He decreed it. It's like the road to yeah. Damascus. Um, yeah. It's the road to Damascus. Damascus. Oh, Lord. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, All please, of our, please, listen, please, Kashmir's please. out there. Barack Obama is not God. I recognize this. I just, I'm tripping. Okay. I was like, walk that back fast chill before out. we start. Chill running. out. Chill out. Y'all good. just turned off the podcast. And just, <laughs> I know. And Somebody just, else. they'll never, they, they'll, they uns, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. So, um, so we had Europe happen. I already talked about NASA because NASA was before, right? You were a young blood as an intern doing some really cool work over there. So you had that experience. I know you've done the MBA joint, right? You went to yeah. a Harvard, got a Harvard MBA, picked that up along the way. Um, keep going. Where'd you, 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 you go to undergrad? Duke. D-U-K-E. Yeah, Duke University. I mean, I, I just, I mean, cause you, you, you're leaving out details. Right? Never so heard you, of you, it. You're leaving out places. Never heard of places. it. Uh, never heard of it. Um, the basketball team is really sad this year, and it makes me very sad. It's okay, y'all. Y'all, you know what? You got You had a good run. Just, just let it ride. Oh, we we coming back. We coming sure, back. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You don't want okay. Um, so she uh, keep going. We gonna keep going. She picked up a Six Sigma black belt, um, and and then ended up being the chief impact officer of Living Cities, uh, where she was responsible for. Hundred million dollars of Skrilla dropped into communities to 
produce outcomes that improve the lives of low-income folks across the country. Uh, Chief Impact um, Officer of Living Cities, that is a national uh, scope and scale. So so you got all of that. Also, she wrote a couple books, uh, Just Change, How to Collaborate for Lasting Impact. That's one of them. Um, you just released another, another one. Is that the latest one? And another one. No, it's coming out in 2022. McGraw-Hill McGraw Hill just signed me on for the book, so I'm excited about it. And it's, right. it's actually going to be about changing capitalism. I want to admit something. Um, yes. When I was doing research and I saw that you were Six Sigma Black Belt, at the time when I first started doing research, I didn't know what that meant. And so I had concocted this fantastic story of you as this like nerdy, sci-fi, loving, dope black woman with technology who also could kick my ass. Still true. I mean, it's. And I was like, yo, she a, she a six sigma black, like not just third, six sigma. So for those of us who like me. Those of, those of them who are like me, can you can you just real quick explain what's what being a six sigma black like what 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 is that uh, uh, that what that is what that yes. is what do you do yes. that in, in fact my uncles when I started having that in my life was like uh, why are you talking about martial arts in your professional signature I was like oh my god uh, so I thought it was like, like you were an eagle scout but in in, in fighting. <laughs> So technically, Six Sigma Black Belt, it's really, it's a, it's a process that's really about getting quality, right? So Six Sigma means that you have less than 99 point, or you have 99.999% quality for any process you do. So that's what the Six Sigma is for. And it's an entire process that works backwards from what's the outcome you're trying to achieve how do you know it's working or not? And then what are the metrics and feedback loops you put in place to know if you are on track, off track, and how do you fix it? Like, that's what it is. And it was, um, I think it was actually started in Motorola, but I learned it when I was at GE. And the thing that's interesting, because my, I think my background, if you look at it, it kind of looks like, wait, what the hell? How'd you start in electrical <laughs> engineering? <laughs> wait, I'm so confused. But I think the, the thread is problem solving. So mm. I'm kind of problem solved across yeah. my life on a lot of different ways. And I think yeah. the Six Sigma methodology sounds cold, sounds like something nerdy engineers who are locked in a room do, but it's actually the exact same type of process that I apply to social impact. And I think that's the thing that people, because social impact is something that people are super passionate about. I think one of the um, commentaries about it, at least over the two, two plus decades I've been in the work is that um, sometimes the heart overwhelms the head. And I think mm-hmm. you can you can leverage a methodology that's consistent, like working backwards from outcomes to get to the result you have that you want and desire for the communities you care about without squeezing out the heart. In fact, I would argue that if there was that much rigor to make widgets, how much more rigor do we need to have if we're going to make and create an environments where great people can thrive? So, so that's the way I look at it. So let's dive into that, though. Right. You One, thank you for elevating. You you went exactly where I was going to go. You have this really diverse, um, high impact uh, background, a bunch of different stuff that pulls it all together. 
and and here you are in your present day venture, which is Cap EQ. And I love how you explained that. And you know, it was so funny, you know, even me being the SEL guy, the social emotional learning guy, I, I was I I heard Cap EQ and I I never said, Oh wait, also emotional intelligence, right? So yeah. uh EQ for those who don't know, most of you do know, but EQ is you know, it's the um I think the alternative or or I guess um kind of like IQ. Yeah. It's corollary. It's the emotional intelligence quotient. So um you do all of these different things and they bring you to your to your today spot, right? <clears throat> and you said the contiguous thread throughout all of that is problem solving. We have a word for that here uh in uh, casually creative world and we we actually think that that is creativity, right? It is creating. And so how would you respond to that? How does that, what are your thoughts about this notion of, uh, you know, problem solving as creativity? Oh, I mean, if you ask me the definition of creativity, I would say it's the art of problem solving. Like, I think that there is a, a joy in problem solving. Like there's a, a, beauty um there's a connection to the divine if you will almost a spiritual and problem solving and i think you know if you take people oftentimes when they think about it are thinking so technical but like that evolution from there's something that i want or need and and don't have to what does it take to get it like that journey as a human is kind of a microcosm of of what we're doing on this earth every day right so I, I think it's hand in hand. And, and, you know, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be Debbie Allen from fame. And I did a lot of musical theater. Yep. Um, you know, if it paid the bills, I might be out there, you know, I might be hanging out with Kerry Washington right now. You just right don't here. know, right? But I found that like a lot of those same skills and art, I kind of bring to what I do now. In different ways so, so yeah I, 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 I think they're synonymous as far as i'm concerned i think it's really important that i let folks know she's not exaggerating um i've been in a strategy session being led and facilitated by <laughs> ty and here's what it looks like here's what it looks like good morning <laughs> <laughs> yes hey like y'all, I'm not. I'm only kind of kidding. I just hit a different note, but it looks and sounds somewhat like that, right? And as she's getting everybody jazzed up and excited about all this stuff, but she's dancing, she's snapping, she's clapping, she's up there drawing something. Like it actually is that dynamic. But by the end of it, you have the best strategic plan that you've ever done in your life and participated in. And I'm not even kind of kidding. It's 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 an amazing thing because you, I love it though, Ty. You are authentically you, even in the middle of some of the toughest, most tractable problems that, you know, organizations, entities, cities are trying to solve. Why? Why you do that? Why don't you, why don't you turn into like a robot? Like most people think you have to do whenever you're, um, being professional, being professional. It just got me. It just made me want to go. I got to say, you're just distracting me. This one, I'm like on a master P thing. I'm like, uh, 
so I think a couple of things. I feel like people look at optimism and hope as naivete. And I would say it's a choice. And it's mm. a hard choice mm. to make every day. And so if I look at my upbringing, you know, my parents had me when they were teenagers. Neither of them went to college until, in fact, in fact, I think my parents are, my dad in his 50s, I think, got his undergrad. And his, and then shortly thereafter got his master's. And I think my mom in her 50s just got theirs, right? So, you know, it was hard having a young baby who absolutely was not an angel like I was everyone said I was a very hard baby <laughs> uh, uh, I was you? a diva and I'm doing it I was yes and I'm getting it back with my five-year-old oh my and God. you know to go through all those challenges but to be where I am now or to see my parents at 50 getting an education or to like have worked at Europe and see what our young people are doing it shows me that like even in the darkest night there's a bright light and so yeah. I bring that not as like a cliche, but as a lived experience into the places and spaces that respect more of the kind of operational, cold, hard data and numbers. I can bring yeah. that too. I can drop that mic on you real quick. But what makes me stand out but, is that I can do both. So what does that mean? So, okay. So Cappy Q... Walk me through what that looks like on a daily basis, right? You go into the office or maybe you don't go into the office because hashtag COVID, but um, you show up at your desk, you show up to work. What are you, what is CAP EQ doing? Like, what are you doing? How are you changing the way that business is done? So now you crack me up because that's the question you're always asking. You're like, uh, I, just want, okay. I want people to understand. I'm here for it. I buzzword saying jokers. Let's cut it all down. What's your day to day? So, yes, Cappy Q. If you look at what we say online, we say that we're advisors. So, one thing that actually is a huge part of what I do day to day is I have more reps than other people. I have like more cycles. It's not a flex. It's like if you worked with a hundred cities across the country who are facing similar problems, you have a pattern recognition, right? You're like, mm, oh. Yeah. And the economic development in New Orleans, when they were facing that problem, that happened. But the health county people here tried that a different way. And so I can kind of package that all up in a bow. And I tend to advise the executives who are running into problems, right? So one thing is just an advisor. And that sounds kind of crazy. But one of the hardest things about social change is feeling like you're alone and not wanting to make a mistake because you're trying to do something new to, to, to support people. So for instance... One of my clients is the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, and they're running an effort that is driving economic mobility and resilience across the state of Texas. And they've picked four cities, and they are out there doing things that are increasing education and employment. I've done that multiple times. So I can say, oh, you know what? When you design this this way, it should look like that. Oh, you know, you should maybe hire this person now. So it's kind of that level with that group. Um, so that's kind of for more of the, the government, public sector type folks. Yeah. For the corporate folks, it, it's, it's got to be real quick. It's like, do this, do that. <laughs> Here, let me Got do that it. for you real quick, right? Like that audience is different. That audience's scope is tighter. And it's usually, I tell companies that your way to social change is three things. It's how you make your money, how you spend your money, and how you treat your people. 
And so I'm giving them ways to figure out those three things. So that's the corporate audience. Then the investor audience, it's about taking the best of both of those two things I just told you and including it in the way they screen for opportunities. Because the thing that people often miss is that the money that lands to drive something one way or the other actually tells you the outcome you're going to get before you even get there. So if I tell a company that wasn't caring about racial equity, you know what? One of the best ways you can have social impact is actually just to start screening your investments for how many black and brown people you support. The Mm -hmm. amount of money that comes out of the door is totally different than without that screen. So theirs tends to be more around their strategy, their screening criteria, how they look at what they pick to invest in. And those three levers are the kind of the, those three groups are how I change how the world does business. And if you look backwards from a thesis, you change how the world does business by one, modeling behavior. So Cappy Q has to show up in a way that that is a beacon. Um, Two, having proof points with influential companies. So you can show that when you change how the world does business, it actually still has an effective capitalism lens. And three, influencing folks who are in positions of power to change their practices. So that's why I write articles. That's why I do books. It's yeah. all in service of changing how the world does business. But, well, I thought capitalism was bad. No, you know, not not bad, right? But people, you hear all you hear, you oh, hear people yeah, talk about yeah. the end of capitalism, right? And how it just it just it's a monster that feeds itself and it crushes down the little man. And like, so you are telling me, you are telling us that you want to keep capitalism going. Like, capitalism is in your company's name, right? Yeah. So, how do you fight for social justice or for justice? Not just let's not just say social. How do you fight for justice? in a context of capitalism when so many think of capitalism in the negative light because of what it does to the downtrodden. So I'm going to ask you a question back. Is a hammer bad? Nope. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, a hammer is evil? No, well, it depends no, where, that, where did I buy it from? What, which, 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 one of the, which one of the stores did I buy it no, from? No, but I think, I think that's the point, right? You got to ask these caveat questions. <laughs> in and of itself, just seeing a hammer laying on yeah. the table. Hammer on no, the table. that is not, that is not evil. Is that bad? No, it's not evil. If I pick up the hammer, can I wield it in a way that's bad? Yes. Yes. Can I wield it in a way that's good? Thor says yes. Depends on if you know how to. Well, that's fair. Yes, Thor would say yes. And also Captain America. Yes, because he picked it up, though. We knew it. Oh, and Vision as well. Yes, all those people. Yeah, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, true. Yes. So this is the common misconception. It goes back to what I said in the beginning. A system is a tool. A system is a tool designed by people. The outcomes of a system are driven directly by the people and the reasons why they wield it. So capitalism, if you look in different countries, actually doesn't have the same outcomes as American capitalism. American Mm. capitalism was designed on the backs of enslaved Americans, right? The mindset, remember, it's about changing hearts and minds. The mindset that Americans brought into capitalism was that a subset of people in our country were inferior. And therefore, Mm -hmm. every system they designed for capitalism had that belief system rooted in the way it was designed. If the mindset was actually that we were all human, right, and equals, it would work because capitalism works really well for the people it works for. Mm. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so to say capitalism in and of itself is bad is to actually give capitalism too much power. It's like saying that that hammer on that. T- oh, I don't know what the hammer's doing today. <laughs> hammer, hammer looks at me kind of sideways. I don't know what to say. What? That chucky ass hammer. Exactly. What? No, but, it's who picks up the hammer. Who has access to the hammer? Yeah. What do they think the hammer should be used for? Yeah, and so yeah. when I talk about changing how the world does business, that's why so much of it is about changing hearts and minds. And what is the way to change the very way people think about what capitalism is good for and used for? And, so, yeah. Well, so, so building on that point, <clears throat> um, you know, and going switching over to a new um, uh, allegory, <laughs> alcohol. So, there is um, Bud Light and then there's Everclear, right? And so I think some people would say, yo, capitalism. A little too much capitalism is probably not in, you know, unfettered, pure, completely distilled capitalism might be a problem in, in, in too big a dose. However, there might be ranges of um, how capitalism can show up because there are policies that are put around it. There are practices that um, people subscribe to. There are norms and things that people uh, um, opt into within capitalism that can make it good for steak or, you know, maybe the right kind of capitalism for a, uh, for a nice pasta meal or something like that. Right. You know, you got wine, you got scotch, you got whiskey. You can't just have Everclear every single night. So what I'm saying is capitalism um, just left to its own devices is uh, probably like just taking a, a whole bunch of Everclear. So here's the deal. In the last, the the version of capitalism that people are experiencing today, and I think this is really important for the younger generation who now, you know, if you look at the data, a lot of folks are rejecting capitalism. You think about this Bernie Sanders and all those the, that that kind of group that is into that type of approach. They only know the capitalism that was born post the '80s, and so that is like post mergers and acquisitions, Ronald Reagan taking a lot of like some of the regulation off of folks. In fact, the inequity has skyrocketed, I want to say like 10 times yeah. or even more, hundreds of times multiple of that since then. But capitalism, if you step back and you think about the system, the way it's designed in theory, not the way Americans are doing it today, is a person like me starts a business They produce something that someone else finds of value, and so they purchase, and so they're getting value. And then I hire people who help provide that, and I give them wages so they can take care of themselves. It's supposed to be a three-way trade of equal value. Mm. That is it in in theory, right? The practice of it you know, something that's really popular right now um, that you hear a lot of pushback from, especially in kind of the B Corp, B Lab community is like a raging against shareholder primacy, which is the Mm -hmm. fancy way of saying 
we put our stockholders higher than everybody else. That's true. That messes up the trade. That messes up the three-way trade of capitalism. The three-way trade of capitalism is actually, that is the holy trinity of capitalism at its most basic roots. And so that is what needs to be changed, which also goes back to heart and mind. So, and, and I would actually push against a lot of folks on like, oh, you know, so therefore regulation, da, da, da. I'm not saying anti-regulation. I'm saying you cannot regulate the ingenuity of the human spirit. Anything mm. you put in a policy, someone will figure out a loophole around it. Mm. You know what's better? Getting people to believe that capitalism is actually meant to create abundance. When they do that, that actually is what will trade. We'll change it. You uh you talking that you talking that strange talk right there, Ty. <laughs> you talk that strange talk. Capitalism, capitalism is meant to create abundance. Most people, not most people, but a lot of people will come up and tell you capitalism is built on a scarcity principle. What are you talking about? Yeah. Market drives prices. The fewer there is of something and the more that people want of it, the higher the price. What are you talking about, lady? How does it drive abundance? Capitalism. So I, there are kind of three principles. If you want to change how the world does business, and I talk about mindset, there are three principles and mindsets that have to shift. You have to shift from the mindset of scarcity to abundance. You have to shift from the mindset of the hero to internet, interconnected communities. And mm. you have to shift from the mindset of competition to collaboration. It doesn't mean or not. Everybody doesn't get a participation ribbon. Everyone's not a winner. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, yeah. If you look across the types of companies now who are outperforming the market, they're actually ones that are high on ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. It's about who's treating the planet well, who's treating the people well, and how are they building in things that actually make the world better in the way they do their their day-to-day. The reason why that's super critical right now is if you think about the world, like how we make money, the most money to be made right now is solving the world's biggest problems. Unless you're GameStop. <laughs> well, Unless- that is a whole that's a whole other conversation, which like I can go on a super tangent on that because this is another reason why capitalism gets the reputation it does, because people have created this fallacy that the market is actually ah. objective. And mm-hmm. I had a business school professor when I was in investment management tell me that he went to school because he wanted to study love. And the closest thing he could get to approximate human emotion was the stock market. Look, okay. this, is, this is what I was telling a, uh, a, a a group that I was speaking to when I was at the bank. <clears throat> um, part of my keynote was, um, y- you know, they stopped looking for exclusively looking for the latest Wall Street geniuses coming out of MBAs. And they started looking at um, people who were coming out of liberal arts. They started looking at people who understood psychology, sociology. They were looking at people who actually studied anthropology, looking at the history of human behavior and designing systems around them because the market, I mean, just look at it. Look at it. Something will happen that moves people either with fear or exuberance or something. What's the one of the main things that even the news reports these days? Donald Trump said this or Joe Biden did that. Ain't nothing changed. But people's expectations of what could potentially happen certainly did. And and I'd say 
I'd say GameStop is interesting because you know it's it's scary actually in many ways. But one of the things I find really powerful about it, it is it is one of the most stark examples we have to push back on people who say the market is the decider. It's the objective and neutral mm. decider. Yeah. It shows how human emotion, even a vendetta, can change how the market moves. Yeah. And so one, the market is not objective. It's not a fair, you know, an objective um, selector. And two, the market is a representation of the emotions of an elite few. Mm-hmm. That is the GameStop and that's that's arguably arguably the thing about because GameStop it was like the, the the elite few said, "All right, bye bye GameStop," and the rest of the world, the, you know, the the impassioned many the were nerd. like, "Yeah, no, I got five dollars." Um, let's do this. Yeah, and then it became a video game. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it turned yeah, into really. a video game. Everybody's like, "How much can we put the squeeze on these hedge funds?" By people like, "Oh, you're artificially." Is it artificial? That's real money. Those are the real word. people. Almost put people out of business. So that's that's an example of like it's a yeah. negative example of changing how the world does business, but like. What would it look like if capitalism actually didn't index itself on the market? Because it didn't used to index itself so much on the short-term mm. whims of the market. What would it look like if it was market plus, right? Market plus, I, I don't know, it could be market plus unemployment rate, it could be market plus environmental score. You know, there's things like Opportunity Nation or other things that have indexes on what makes a healthy, healthy economy, healthy society. Yeah. That would change how the world does business. And it's nothing but changing the marker, which is totally mm. doable. It's things that's like this. I, that's what I say. You know, we we had a previous guest on. You might know him. You might have heard of him. Shaquan Lewis. Uh, Chief I love me some Quan for the culture. Rich homie Quan. Shaquan say, I'm just throwing in names. I'm throwing in names. I listened to Quan before I came in. I was like, you know what? Quan is a brilliant human being. So I need to make sure that I come up on the show and don't embarrass myself. You know, I'm going to be after him. You're doing a great (laughs) job not embarrassing yourself so far. But but one of the things that he said that was really powerful was, you know, if you poll the country, many people think that the you know leaders of of industry captains of industry oftentimes are more trusted to make societal change than even our policymakers elected representatives uh even at the highest level of government right like that's real and so there's a tremendous amount of power in the work that you're doing and i want to lift up something that that you don't got yourself involved in and by involved i mean leading um So, uh, Juneteenth, Juneteenth, um, can you please spell that, Damani, Juneteenth? Uh, (laughs) J-U-M-T-E-E-E-M-F. You you win. You win. Excellent job. So, Juneteenth, there was a, uh, there was an article that, that, that got released on this day in 2020 that was just last year there was an announcement i don't know if if you people out there have ever heard of a thing called the brookings institute maybe you might have heard about that um 
it's kind of a little bit of a thing. It's an, it's an obscure. It's only known to a select few. Uh, some folks that are on the inside. So Brookings put something out. Uh, there's this little old organization named Cap EQ uh, that in partnership and in, in funding from the Kellogg Foundation. Have you heard of that? Kellogg Foundation? Anybody? That's the, Anybody? The complex? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. I do. I do love me some cornflakes. I actually am more a fan of Raisin Bran Crunch, but that's just me. It's my favorite cereal. It's the Cereal Foundation. That's precisely what it is. Actually, Kellogg Foundation is one of the leading funders in the world in things uh, related to equity and justice and uh, race and and and, and anti racism, right? Uh, they made a big investment. And this is a thing that I love because <clears throat> tell me, Tynesha, was this investment out of their given pot or their pot pot? The way foundations work oftentimes, as you all know, and some of you might not, foundations have these huge assets. They might have $2 billion, $3 billion in assets. Um, uh, but then you know, by law, you're only required to give a certain percent of that, right? There might be a 5% give requirement. Some places push themselves to 10, some I've even seen 20%, right? But the yield, which is basically the interest that they gain on their um, investments is usually what's driving them to to the actual investment. So if you see, so this foundation made a grant out here, usually that's coming from the interest that they gain from the investment of their um, resources that they call the corpus, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Ty, did this investment come from their given money out of the yield or did this come from the corpus? This came from their mission-driven investments and that is the group that invests their corpus. So Mm. it is, and by the this, we're talking about past the 1565. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, you're such a mess. So this is a um something that I, we've been working on since 2018, actually, with a lot of amazing leaders in the space. Keisha Cash from Impact America Fund, Connie Evans, who wrote the Tapestry Report from Association Enterprise Opportunity, and it's based on the stat from that research that if 15% of existing Black business owners could hire at least one employee, that's one. Count my finger, one. It would result in $55 billion to the economy and 600,000 jobs. Okay, so 1-5%, not 5-0%. Yes, 15, 1-5. Mm-hmm. And, and how many how many billions would it be? $55 billion. That's, that's a lot of them. So, yeah. you know, they, I, I, when I hear that, you know, capitalism can drive abundance, like that's that's. That's kind of an example of what we're talking about, right? Um, That's exactly it. But but what's interesting, so CapEQ, an investment and advisory firm, right, and it functions in that capacity, um, focusing on um, capitalizing Black businesses, Black-owned businesses. But um, why would you focus on capitalizing Black businesses? I know you said you gave me the number and all that jazz. True, great, awesome, fantastic, but why black businesses and and are there some unique things going on with black businesses that show this as a investment opportunity? Because here's the thing. 
these foundations have a fiduciary responsibility. Trustees and boards of directors of these different foundations have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that they are making prudent investments of the assets that form the corpus of these institutions. So they can't just be all willy nilly out there. They can't just be like, yo, we going gambling, throw it up. We going to Bitcoin. Like that's not exactly how it works. If you're sitting (laughs) as a person with a real responsibility to maintain the, um, um, I think the ongoing, existence of these foundations. So the fact that they are putting this investment, not a grant, but this investment into this effort means that there's something investable there. Why black business, Ty? What's up? Well, there's so many reasons. So, you know, when you think about changing how the world does business, one of the challenges with the way that the economic system was written, if you think about underwriting, you think about, oh, you know, let's say you wanted to buy a house, you go to a bank, they say, can you get a loan or can you not get a loan, right? Or you want to finance your business, same thing. The way that system has been run consistently based on data and research for multiple outlets shows that Black people, whether it's Black business owners, mortgages, whatever the case is, are less likely to get access to that loan, even if they have the exact same profile as white people. Mm. What that means is you're leaving opportunity on the table. That means you're undercapitalizing. So, and that results in not having the full economic engine running for our country. In fact, President Rob Kaplan from the Dallas Fed wrote or shared an article recently. In fact, the Federal Reserve System has said racism is actually a drag on our economy. Yo. That's the so Fed. That's, this is not this is not Federal Reserve. This is not uh the Black Lives Matter Institute for Economics and Financial Wherewithal. Like this is the Fed. <laughs> yes. And so what that looks like in practice is if you think about just getting to parity. Right. Like what would it look like if black businesses could actually just be treated in the same way that white businesses are? A great indicator of that is, well, how many black what's the representation? Right. So one, there's 14 percent of our country are black people. Only two percent are black businesses. Mm -hmm. So if you just could increase not just the number of businesses, but those businesses can hire people. So one in five Black people in the country are hired by Black businesses. So you get also Black business owners are 12 times wealthier than their non-business owner peers. So if you are a foundation and you care about closing the racial wealth gap, if you are a Republican and you care about the economy, if you are um, a, a liberal and you care about people having quality employment, Black business gets you all of it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think that is interesting, because a lot of folks will kind of be like, why not all, all businesses matter, right? ABMs, true. <laughs> um, there's this great article written by Angela Glover Blackwell, who was the founder of PolicyLink, called The Curb Cut Effect. And it talks about how the focus on people who use wheelchairs to make that curb slanted and not kind of at a 90 degree ankle so they could kind of ride their wheelchair up on a sidewalk change the world 
for mommies with strollers, people who had uh, luggage, luggage, uh, people who buy bikes. their groceries and put them in the carts, bikes. If you focus on the folks who need it most and you're really thoughtful about it, it actually ends up solving the problem for folks you never saw. Interesting. So that's the other reason why. Well, and would it be that not only did it solve the problem for the folks that you never saw, but using the, as an example, mommies with strollers, uh, people pulling shopping carts, like I grew up in Brooklyn. And so we didn't drive to the grocery store. You pulled a shopping cart, Um, but none of those people knew that pulling a shopping cart up over the curb at the 90 degree angle was an issue or having to, you know, pop their stroller up so you could get it up on the curb. No one knew that was an issue. So it's almost like not only does doing something for those that need it the most open up the possibility for those uh, that that you weren't aware of, but sometimes those people may not even be aware, if I'm hearing the analogy correctly, may not even be aware that the need and the ch- that the that the need for the change existed because they're so used to mommies with strollers, daddies with strollers, people with shopping carts have just been doing this. And this is the way that you pull your shopping cart. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, spot on to money. Like that's why the whole concept of changing how the world does business is really about what is possible if you change your mindset. And then what does that do for other people's mindsets? And that's a great mm-hmm. example. She said that was a great example, Byron. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard you. No, that was good. That was good. It was good. It was good. That's One fine. of the top five smartest people you know said that I had a great example. And it was spot on. So it might oh, mean that you, might mean you take one of those fingers that I had, right? Like, did that make you a top five? Wow. I think the most of our listeners are going to wonder what sound that was. How did you make it? No, we're not, we're not going to explain it. We're not going to explain it. We're just going to let it ride. Let it ride. That was I want people. I want you to send us your send us what you think that sound was. Don't do that. Actually, that was hell is what it. I, like don't. Now we got to put a, uh, you know, rated M for mature on this because children can't hear that. Out. Children can't hear that. It'll nightmares. Ridiculous. Two weeks ago, we ruined. We we, we talked about uh, the the Christmas dude. Oh, the elf. Wait, what? No, Santa. Oh, I'm oh, saying we ruin stuff for kids left and right. It's what we do. And it's... No, it's true. That's true. Wow. Actually, we do need to be, put disclaimers, like, because sometimes, sometimes there's somebody's listening in the car, and then we we tell people that Santa's not real. Like you got to prepare now. people for that. That is, um, <laughs> that could mess up a home. That could mess up a happy home. That could. Yeah. When you when you listen to your podcast, and you can go to Spotify, it it won't play if you don't allow explicit content. So maybe that'll help a little bit. There you go. Right, that'll shut it down. That's a good good look. That's true. Heather said, so, so Heather, Heather, uh, our producer slash my wife said to me, "You know, Damani, that most of these episodes wouldn't be explicit, but then, like near the end of the episode, you or Byron will just drop a random cuss word." And I was like, "That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> ruin it." Yeah, no man. Like we're good for like fifty five minutes. And the 55 minute and one second, it's like, shit. (laughs) There you go. That was it. And that's That's it. it. That was it for this show. Yeah. Now, 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 little Dylan can't listen to it. Bailey. No. Everybody. Our children can't listen. I'm sorry, children. Okay. So, speaking of children. Speaking of children, so this is a word like capitalism is a world is is a is a word a phrase a, a methodology a system that has gotten a bad rap right. But our children are being raised in this system. 
what is your hope for what capitalism looks like um, for your children, for our children that exist in this world? Number one. Number two, do you think it's realistically attainable by the time they become our age? I actually do think it's realistically uh, attainable. I spent, there are three trends that are happening that are driving it in that direction. One, there's a huge wealth transfer from old crotchety people to people like our age, and they have a similar ethos. So it's about $30 trillion of wealth. Um, the second piece that's driving that is that consumers are paying a premium for things that they feel have a social impact. So that's showing it's kind of the market is now saying, oh, the, you know, we, you can get a premium for things that help people. I guess you should help people, which is a backwards way of doing it, but use people as forced against them. And then the last piece is that um, young, the younger generation refuses to work for companies that they don't feel have an impact. So those are huge market forces that are now shifting capitalism in a way where you see major companies taking more you know, stark choices and bold choices than they were before. And I think the wave after that is going to be a level of accountability for the things that they said. So by the time our children are in those workforces, it, it will have shift and the, shifted and the culture will have shifted. And I think that that is actually what I want for our children. I, I want this whole podcast to be irrelevant by the time my son is is in in work. In work. It's like, wait, mom, what? Like, yeah. people didn't know, like, we could do all these things? Like, this is dumb. Mm. Like, of course, capitalism does this. Um, and I think, you know, capitalism has become the star of the show in this episode in a way where, it, to me, every capitalism is just... If I work backwards from why do we have an equity and what is the highest and best leverage point to change it, you know, it's actually not government and it's not philanthropy. It's what is the economic engine of our country. And that's what led me to capitalism. It's not that it's in and of itself like amazing. I'm like, oh my God, it's capitalism. It's like Jesus, except we have a wallet. Like it's not it's not that. It's it's the root cause analysis of what's going to drive, I think, the highest and best change most quickly yeah. for our country. You don't have like a capitalism hoodie or anything like that? I don't. Like I a don't. Capitalism. I, uh, I do have a mask finger hoodie that says, don't talk to me. And when I wear it in the grocery store, people get really freaked out. But no capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's dope. What's funny, so Celeste just bought me like this this uh sweatshirt from Target because they their Black History Month line is out now. Uh um, ah. it looks pretty good. Anyway, she got me this 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 hoodie and it's an abstract work of art that's you know just a black man's face, but it it strangely does look like my face. And so So you're walking around with a picture of yourself? Yeah, I wore it the other day. That's, that's, like, a, little, that's a little weird. I was like, is that, they were like, is that you? I was like, no. But then I look at it, I was like, I, I understand that it, I understand it looks like, but but no, no, I didn't wear my own. We don't all look, we don't all look alike. Oh, no, you're right. Well, no, no that's right. right. No, that's right. That's, that one does look, we do look alike. You're right. That's, 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 that's my, that's, yeah. Sorry for yelling at you. You're like, sorry, for, I, that's my bad. We do look alike. Sorry, sorry. That was an honest mistake. That was an honest yeah, mistake. That was, that was, that was, sorry, it was a reaction. We don't all look, oh, yeah, my bad, my bad, Jamie. Yeah. Um, all right, look, 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 look. Ty, this has Linda. been such, 
Linda, listen, listen, Linda, listen, honey, honey, listen, Linda, listen. Um, this has been such a great conversation. I have truly benefited uh, from hearing and being blessed and graced with your golden tones of wisdom. Dulcet wisdomous tones. Dulcet wisdom. Wait, wait, before you sandman me off, though. No, I ain't, I you ain't getting sandmanded. Cause there's still right. something we got to do. I know, but I know what's coming next. So I'm, I want to say, I want, I want to say something real quick before what's coming next. Well, she got, 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 like, got closing thoughts. Go I got closing thoughts. thoughts. Go I got ahead. closing thoughts. So Go I'm gonna ahead. wrap it up like a preacher. Ah. I'm about to say passer. So wait, so wait, so if you can wrap it up like a preacher, does that mean this is actually one of three closings yeah. or <laughs> no? We, yeah, we got one closing, but three points. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Wow. So here's, here's the deal. I feel like you guys have been really nice and like propping me off, but I feel that it's important in these kind of conversations not to just make it about look at all the accolades, but really like the vulnerability of what it took me to get there. And so I think if I kind of step back and I talk about like what it felt like behind the scenes as I was going through that journey, when I got to college, I was used to people saying I was like super, super smart. And then I went to Duke and embraced my full scale of mediocrity. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I'm a fish out of water. And so I would characterize that phase of my like journey as being cautiously creative. I was hmm. scared. I was af- afraid of making mistakes. I didn't see people who looked like me. Who knew black people had money and drove Lexuses? Like I didn't know that. I mean, I just was constantly. I believe in this it's place pronounced. Where... It's pronounced Lexi. Lexi. Lex- it is. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So, like, I just felt completely alone and confused most of that time. And so, when I was creative, it was like, "Is it okay if I do this? Will I ruin everything?" And then when I finally got out of college and I got my first job, I was so excited. I was like, oh my god. So then I was just kind of cluelessly creative when I got there because it was companies who said, just go do this. And it's like, okay, well, you wouldn't ask me to do it if I couldn't do it. So I was out there innovating and not knowing. Like, I was like, I didn't know better to be like, oh, I can't do that. Or why should I do that? Or blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, well, they said to, you know, start a whole new unit. And they said to open a whole new department. And they said to do all this stuff, but on the internet, okay. And I think that I was kind of like bumbling around, like fixing and changing things that had no clue. So I was like cluelessly creative in that part of my my stage. And I think it's only now in the last 10 or so years that I've become consciously creative, where to me, conscious is both an awareness and an awakening. It is a, I have been so fortunate to be in the places and spaces that I have been in as a woman as a woman of color, as often the youngest person in the room, that in my 20s, I got to see things that a lot of my colleagues now are just now experiencing in their 40s. And so I'm consciously changing things. I'm consciously on a program telling you, yes, we're gonna change capitalism in my child's lifetime, because if not us, who? And if, if I could bumble and stumble through all those experiences and be where I am now, I I have the responsibility 
to do something different. And I think that's, you know, on the surface, a lot of the things we've talked about kind of looks like a laminated, yay, everything was perfect. But it really wasn't like the internal struggle and challenge that I have gone through to get where I am now and to continue to try to move to where I think we all deserve to be is not clean and it's messy. And I'm just grateful to be able to take that next step every day. So I I just wanted to close with that from that part. Folks. Hold on. I got I got a question. I got a question on that. Is do you because I I I do hear a progression in what you're talking about, right? You're talking about the uh, is the next progression perhaps like a confidently created, right? Because you talk about right now the fact that uh, that you are in this place of of recognizing and exercising your creativity to change the world that exists and the world that is to come. So I almost feel like as you walk more in that, as you continue to see the way that the world does business change, does that then put you into a place where you can be confidently creative? Because well. We, well, yeah. Not only are we am I am I declaring that we're going to change it in my child's lifetime, but we just did it right there. Mm. See right there? That's where it got. That right there. That is right there. Yes. Right, right there. Right there. Yes. I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but you know, Milton Friedman changed what capitalism meant for generations, and what we do today will be what my son knows tomorrow. So yes, I will be in a rocking chair confidently like, you know there are the time where people polluted the earth and said that was capitalism? <gasps> no, Grandma. That's why I like Star Trek Next Generation. That's no. what I'm telling you. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, um, this was <laughs> this was a this was a good one, y'all. This was a good one. And you know what? It's about to get even sweeter. We're about to take it up a notch because we have come to a very special segment of straight hot fire, straight, straight goodness. Stay lit. Stay dope. Quickly creative. Capitalism got a little bit of stink on it. Capitalism got a little bit of stink on it. But I'm trying to save us with that smartish. But I'm trying to save us with that smart. Quickly created, created. So I got that's what I got today, folks. Yes. Yo, that was actually that was good, Damani. That was good. Good job. On that Beyonce. I learned that whole dance, by the way, just so you know. I really wish that we recorded these videos, uh, (laughs) having heard that bit of information. (laughs) So, um, uh, TBR, you know what this this is because you don't listen to the podcast. We're going to hit you with some um, um, popcorn, straight hot fire. Pew, pew, pow. Pow, Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, what popcorn makes the pew, pew sound? I thought you were going with. I thought you were going with like hit you straight off the dome, hot fire, like yeah. for your brain space. You say other things. So I was ready with laser sound. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, I understand. You had to transition. I get it. I get it. But here we go. You need to come with with what what is on the tip of your tongue quickly. Are you ready for this, Ty? Ready. Quickly, creative starts in three, two, one. Curls or straight? Curls. All right, all right, all right. Keynesian or classical economics? Mm, Keynesian. Keynesian. Word up, word up, word up. The chicken or the waffles? Oh, the fried chicken. Okay. 
Yes. All the way fried. All the way fried. Mm-hmm. All right. So if I'm you have some watermelon, I ain't mad at you. Yes. So this one here, this one here, you got three choices, and you still got oh. to choose: Star Wars, Star Trek, or BSG Battlestar Galactica. Oh Jesus! Oh. I can't. oh God! Yeah, I did that. I did that to you oh. on purpose. Oh. Hi, can I? Can I? Can I? As the no, no, Damani, no, no lifeline. No, I wasn't getting a lifeline. I was just getting like, can I have? Can I rid her of the? I just want to free her from this torture. This is mm. not cool. I am going to have to say Star Wars. Oh, Ty. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I know. But it's just such, it's a quintessential work. So. It is a quintessential work. It's it is. Like it is a, amazing. And so much of it is derivative. So oh, I got to, I got to give it, I got to give it, but it hurts because what I want to say is BSG yeah, from like I, the full. For the but especially, B, was just brilliant, especially when you get to the like. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When I got to the end, I was Longest, like, "Wait, yo, all along the watchtower." You hear what I'm saying right now? Oh, I don't, get, I, I, I don't get any Stop. of these references. I can't wait. Uh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna yes. do it now. Yo, yes. Favorite '90s R&B group? Oh, group. Oh, '90s. Oh. <laughs> all three of us are absolutely grooving on this podcast and the videos don't record but i wish they did because yeah. we are putting it down yeah, all right last, last question last question last question favorite okay. 90s Dance. Oh. What was you grooving to at the sock hop? What's up? Okay, okay. I'm gonna just do it. I'm gonna just tell y'all. I grew up in Florida. That okay. Florida, I was getting ready to stand up and do it. I gotta set it for a second. So don't stop. Get it, get it. Let me see you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, so whatever, whatever happened to the backside of your body? Yeah. Doing that music, that's the dance right there. That's the dance. That's the dance. That's that's that's, that's, that's the dance. Precursor to twerking. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Uh-uh, no, twerking owes this money. Like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, this is no, that. No, no is... I, I like I got they owe me at least twenty dollars. Twerking <laughs> owes Dirty South at least twenty dollars. When that's I what I'm saying. You, I could go down, like now nah, I'm too old now. But when I tell you right now, you can ask my husband. That might be why I was married today. I could go down in a split, okay, scrub the ground, pop it, pop it, pop it up, and then pop back. I mean, I'm just, it was legit. I was just like epic. So, yeah, no, twerking, twerking ain't that. Twerking's too easy. Twerking's too easy. Twerking's too easy. Y'all heard that? He's cheering out here today doing something. I I feel like. Here's what I hope. Here's what I hope. That this section right here, talking about twerking and easy, is the section that Heather uses to open the podcast. You know, that has to be the one. Heather, it sounds like, that sounds like a plea. That sounds like a plea. Please. 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 No, please don't, do, don't, do that. don't do me like that, Heather. Don't, don't do me like that. They're going to hear regardless. Just bring them in. 
or you can say, or you can say, yo, this is this is how you. If you want this goodness right here, you gotta listen to the whole episode. We ain't gonna just drop it. We put the stuff. People like, wait, Ty Boy at TV. Wait, why are they talking about twerking and and, and wiping? Like what? Huh? I'm here for it. Yeah, it's called grand twerking. What you just did, that's called grand twerking. It's grand twerking. It's like the, it's like it's like twerking grandma. Grand twerking. I was like, no, no, it's like it's twerking's big mama. It's twerking's big mama. Let's 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 send these people home. Let's send yeah. these people home. Listen, um, this is the part where you brag on yourself, Ty. Talk about yourself. What you got to brag about? Talk about your your pluggables. What's up? My pluggables, I spend a lot of time talking about work. So I'm holler at my family. My boo is fine. And he also has a book coming out. My son just got straight A pluses Ooh. in his most recent report card from Green Hill. Yes, Black Boy Excellence, Black Boy Joy. Yep. And my daughter, who's five, is like reading and it makes me so happy. Yes. <laughs> Mommy, I know all the words. Listen, cat, cat, back. So yeah, my family is off the chain and I love them and we're great. Love it, love it, love it. And love you, Ty. Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you for, like I said, blessing us with your with your brain. And 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 I think adding some some really interesting um pieces to the conversation around capitalism, business, and how that actually is in not a butterflies and daffodils way connected to heart. Um, let's continue to build this beautiful world and, um, a future that actually we think is actually attainable. Thank you so much, Tanisha Boye Robinson. Tanisha Boye Robinson, my way of Barack Obama Robinson. Yo, um, so we, we really enjoyed this time. As always, we are so grateful for all the cashmere's tuning in. This has been your man, Byron Sanders and J.D. Minor Daniel, reminding you to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your ma, tell your pa. I'm going to tell about the Arkansas. All right. Uh, let's, uh, wow. But, uh, yeah, let's, all right. There's, no, there's, there's, there's not one problem with what you just did, J.D. Minor Daniel. Thank you. Not one. Good job. Y'all stay dope. Uh, Stay dope. Stay dope. Casually Created was produced by Heather Daniel of SweetRebel.com. Its intro and outro music were composed by Ezekiel Daniel and produced by Marcus Reddick and Dean Talbert. Feel free to check us out online at www.casuallycreative.co. Everyone living is a type of creative. Everyone's got a limit they can create. Some people code them for some people is baking. If you can see it in your mind, you can make it.